No sound. He knows. We know. And headset toss. And... <laughs> I love how I'm trying to watch what the fuck is happening on our channel, but I have to... Oh, because I have to resubscribe yeah. to our channel. It did the same thing it did to me with Shora, where I just had to refresh the source, and, uh, and then it works. Because we can hear it in our heads. So from a, from a standpoint of knowing it's not working, we have no way to know it's until you working. tell us. Just making sure. Thank you. We have no way to know until you tell us, because we hear it, the monitors hear it, it's great. So that's probably an that's probably an audio card issue. I gotta upgrade. Yay! Okay, we're here. I am only one person. This is going this week six. You know, it's actually. Funny. I was also in a meeting up until thirty seconds before the show started. So that's not an exaggeration. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> it was literally thirty seconds. Yep. Uh, I also, I actually also uh, have been looking at upgrading my computer, so I might need your uh, input on some stuff. Oh, I would just love to do that out of work. Well, just on the parts I'm thinking of getting. Cool. For friends. Cool. Friendship. Cool. Friendship. I got you. <laughs> it's $2,000, and I'm like, mm. I got you. <laughs> you got me inspired. You rebuilt that computer, and I'm like, you know, my computer's been slowing down a lot, and a lot of my parts are from 2014. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time. What if I told you that I have enough extra parts here to build you a computer that's only two years old instead of six years old? Hmm. <clears throat> Hmm. Yeah, they're not powerful enough for what I need, but probably powerful enough for you. We could probably set you up. Hmm. We'll set you up. It's a good consideration. We'll set you up. It's a good consideration. How's everybody doing today? How Happy are you? Thursday. Thursday for us here at Hyper RPG is Alfred Coffee Day. That's right. For the last right. three weeks. And I didn't freak out today, thankfully. I didn't freak out when Zach said, I have a Thursday surprise for you. I was like, yeah, it's Thursday, despite what I typed in the Slack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually really needed that. That was like the best thing I could have woken up to was like I had a really hard time sleeping last night and I don't know if it's because we've all of a sudden changed from like seventy degree weather to like ninety degree weather. And I was in my room like oh, this is gonna be a rough. Did you night, have your it? window open? No. Because we had the AC running. No, I, I closed the window. Yeah, it was like uh, I realized last night when I was trying to sleep, I was like, maybe I'm getting a fever. I'm really hot. And then I checked my phone. I was like, it's 85 degrees in my room. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's been warming up oh. again. It's been warming up. Maybe I'll turn on the air conditioner. Yeah. I, feel, I, I think like, I don't know if it's exhaustion or whatever it is. Like, I think we're all kind of feeling like I, I had a headache. You had a headache. Malika has a headache today. We're all yeah. kind of just feeling like. Uh, yeah, I feel a little bit better today. Uh, still got the bubble guts, but uh, yeah. but now Malika's not feeling well, and mm -hmm. it's just like mm, either there's a bug going around the house. You yeah. know, it's just like getting even slightly sick right now is the most stressful thing. <laughs> it's so stressful. It's so anxiety inducing because <laughs> you're like, do I got the covids? Yeah, right. Do I got the covids. <laughs> I guess the only, I guess the one good thing is that like it's Thursday. Tomorrow's our last day. Then we have the weekend to recover. Well, see, here's the thing. We didn't hit our goal yesterday, so I'm probably going to stream on Saturday to try to recover. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's how this works, man. We got a studio to run. <laughs> we got a company to keep afloat in the middle of a pandemic. So I actually spent this morning and yesterday morning rebuilding our uh, IRL backpack. Mm -hmm. I finished it this morning. I think it's looking good. It's sounding good. Um, I wanted to be able to go on bike rides and stuff again. Because obviously we're not going to go to crowded places in IRL. Right. It would need to be more of a hands-off thing. So I kind of set it up with the new GoPro Hero 8 and the Media Mod mm -hmm. and got all the cabling done and uh, got everything charging. And hopefully on Saturday I can go on a bike ride and take people ar around Hollywood and stuff with everything closed down and just kind of yeah. show everybody what's up. Yeah. Uh, some people are asking, you know, how far away from our goal were we? We're about like 70, 71%. And that's mainly because you guys just kept going last night. Yeah. <laughs> just kept we going. Watched, we, watched, we were supposed to watch Amelie. It ended up not being on Amazon Prime, so we ended up watching Crouching mm -hmm. Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was great because I had never seen it before. Uh, it was a fantastic movie. I loved it so much. Beautiful cinematography, beautiful score, beautiful story. Yep. Loved every minute of it. And then Malika and I watched this great documentary uh, about Kung Fu from kind of like the late 60s, 70s, going all the way up into like yeah, the I've early 2000s. Yeah, I've seen that before. It's a great documentary. It's so good. They tell you so many things. You're like, whoa, I had no idea. Uh, yeah, like I knew some of the stuff about Bruce Lee and his story and how they kind of like repurposed some of his footage. Man, I did not know that they repurposed footage from his funeral, though. That was hard to watch. I cannot yeah. imagine meeting his family. Yeah, that, that, that that's one of those things where you're like, this is unacceptable, and that camera's out of focus, yeah, and I don't I got know how you, that boo. happened. Don't worry you. about it. Don't okay. worry. No, no, it's okay. not worth it. Okay. It's not worth it. We'll stay on the wide. <laughs> 
<laughs> wides. <laughs> we'll stay on the wide. It's fine. Um, yeah, it was yeah. it was very good. It's also it was also very kind of fitting because I had just watched Cursed Films, and on episode four, I believe they talk about the Crow and Brandon Lee, and they talk about how he died and all that, and 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 the process of kind of getting through that. So it was really interesting to watch that, and then watch Bruce Lee and how the industry kind of like what they did with his 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 image and his iconography and how they like mm-hmm. try to bring in other people. Shaw Brothers are gangsters though, aren't they? Yeah. Oh man. Like that's but, the kind of studio where yeah. you're like, "Woo, cool was, that you got all that stuff made." I know. But straight up making people live on set. That was nuts. Like, right? we, we 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 know exactly where they're going and if they go out for too many nights, we we uh, we talk to them and we're like, "Why are you going out so much?" And I'm like, "That that's not a film studio. That's a prison." <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, it was nuts. absolutely wild. I think it was also very insightful though to watch sort of the rise and fall of the Shaw brothers and to get a little bit of insight of like, and I think it, it's very relevant to today. It, it really shows you like you got to stay ahead of the curve because as soon as you slip, uh, it can kind of mean the end of of everything that you've like worked so hard towards. Yeah, but it was still very impressive to see. Um, just the process of how they made a lot of those movies and to see how some of those people got involved and especially Bruce Lee, how involved he was with the making of those movies. I think one of the craziest things uh, from that documentary was because a lot of people would talk about how those old Kung Fu movies Mm -hmm. were almost like for a while they were taken as a way to promote uh, a feminist viewpoint because they were mm-hmm. often female heroines yeah. that were kicking a lot of ass. Yeah. And then you find out that the reason that happened was still out of sexism mm-hmm. because um, they, <laughs> it was like the, the, they assumed that most of the people watching those were women mm-hmm. and they didn't want women idolizing these men. Yeah. Uh, so from and you're just like what? What? <laughs> what? What? I'll get it. Well, fucking weird. Yeah, but a really cool nuts. documentary. I'm glad you guys got a chance to watch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was funny because Malika was like, "Oh, you want to watch this? Want to watch this doc?" And I was like, "Oh, okay. If it's like a 30 minute thing, it's an hour and 47 minutes." And I was yeah. like, "All right, I guess I'm committed for another two <laughs> hours." Luckily, it's interesting. It was. I, I like the first like 15, 20 minutes were a little slow, but. I think once it hits to a certain point, particularly when it starts bringing in Bruce Lee, uh, it really just like takes off and it doesn't stop for the other hour and yeah. 20 some odd minutes. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, though? I loved it. Isn't it a good movie? It's, a, you know, and it's funny because I think a lot of the reason why I hadn't watched this movie and I waited so long was because people had convinced me it was very long. It's not. And even Malika said, she's like, yeah, this movie's really long. And I looked, I'm like, it's, it's two hours. It's not. It's just that there's such a tranquility to it. Even the fighting has yeah. a peaceful nature to it. It does. It's not a loud movie. No. It's a not very by any calm movie. And I think a lot of people probably, like Malika, when they saw it, they were a lot younger. So that sort of like pace and that tranquility and that sort of just like mellowness of the movie yeah. makes it feel longer. Watching it last night, that movie moves. Mm-hmm. It's so beautifully paced. The sound design on so much of the fighting is so good. The choreography itself Unreal. is mind blowing. Like when Unreal, I read man. when I read that Michelle Michelle Yeoh had basically quit all of her other or basically had not taken any work uh, up to a year before making this movie just to uh, study Mandarin and to study the fight choreography and the fact that she was injured. Yeah, she tore ACL. Yeah, yeah, and that scene where it's the one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I was just like, With Zang whoa! Yeah. And like you realize they're doing a lot of tights, right? And you know, and they're just keeping it like hand movement yeah. stuff like that. But it's so impressive. What do you think of uh, Zhang Zi though? Oh my god! Now I you got to watch 2046. So because she's the lead uh, in 2046. So I, I I didn't I thought I knew what Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon was about. Mm-hmm. I had I was completely wrong about the plot. Yeah. I had no idea that it was sort of about this like master and apprentice uh, kind of story, and she was amazing in the yeah. movie. So amazing. Good. So good. Everybody in that knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's strong. It's a very dreamy, uh, Asian epic, man. Yeah. It's just. It's like Malika said. It's like gods. Yeah. It feels like it's on that stage of gods, mm. and uh, it's it's a wonderful movie. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's one of those movies that you watch and you're like, I have nothing to critique about this movie. Mm-hmm. One of my my favorite uh, fight scene is the one where she takes the sword into the uh, kind of bar with all the men. Oh my god! And just fucking wrecks house. <laughs> that was insane. So insane. good. It's such a good movie. I, yeah. I, I like. That's a movie that I could watch again this weekend to just watch. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. study the frame. Now, you can see why, like, after that movie, people were like, fucking Ang Lee, man. Yeah. 
dude. Yeah. We should have him do the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> we should have him do Gemini Man. You know, uh, here in defense of Gemini Man. I actually didn't think it was a, it was bad. I, I've, it. I haven't watched it with audio. <laughs> I watched it um, over the shoulder of a person sitting across from me on the plane. That's how I watched it. Okay. And in that experience, I knew everything that was happening at all yeah. times because it's very visual storytelling oh, film. Yeah. Everything about it. I was just like, Yo, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what's happening yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it looked, it looked fun. Yeah. It, I you mean, know, it looked fun. I, I, I got a chance to see it in, uh, in, um, 3d at 60 frames per second. It was a very engaging experience. Like it worked for me. It How many re- theaters showed it at the frame rate it was supposed to be showed in? Two, I think. <laughs> in Los Angeles. I think two, one or two, not very oh, many. Oh man. The rest of them. Well, so I think the theater that I saw in particular, I think it was shown in 4K, 60 frames per second in 3D. The other theaters had it, I think, in 2K, 48 frames per second in 3D. So, they, But they originally shot it at 60 frames. And the 4K Blu-ray that I have has it in 60 frames, not mm-hmm. 48, but just doesn't have the 3D, which yeah. is kind of a bummer. Well, we just went off on a tangent We here. did. Hi. Uh, you Welcome. can see that uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, every night we watch movies with the community here. It's one of our favorite things to do in the middle of this pandemic yeah. is to wind down at the end of the day. And just watch some movies with you all. Yeah, it's it's a great relax. way to relax at the end of the day. And uh, we've really enjoyed seeing f- familiar faces every night when watching these movies. It's a way for you to discover new films, us to discover new films. And boy, tonight do we have a doozy. Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy is tonight going to be a fun one. Swiss Army Man. Yep. I think this movie's great. Yeah. And it's going to lead to some fun reactions. Yeah. <laughs> I have a scheduled tweet that's going out uh, about five minutes or five to ten minutes before we, uh, we, we, we do the watch along today. Mm-hmm. And it was like impossible to not put in a Harry Potter butt joke. Yeah. It's just, it's part of the movie. It's yeah, great. It's, it's part great. of the movie. Lots of farts. Yeah. Uh, and Lucas we know will how much you all, yeah, we know how much you all love farts here. Mm-hmm. We know it's important you to you. Sons of bitches. We know how important it is. <laughs> uh, but it should be great. But the movies yeah. that you can vote on today. So you'll see on the bottom of the screen some hashtags and movie names. That is basically your opportunity to support the channel while picking what movie we do next week. But this isn't also a pick. This is your declaration of what you think is the best movie. Okay, it's this true. isn't just supposed to be, oh, you know, I want you guys to see this one. No, it's your statement of, you know, this movie buries those other movies. This is why I think it's great. This is why I think this movie is better. And uh, coming up tonight for what you can vote on all, all day today by going to oneshot.straylogic.com, we've got Onward, Wally, and Ralph Breaks the Internet. Wreck-It, which is Wreck-It Ralph. Two. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the second one. Yeah. I watched Onward last weekend with Malika, better than I thought it was going to be. I actually did really enjoy that movie. And Wally's a freaking classic. Yeah. And I haven't seen. I haven't actually seen Wally since sometime it came out in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. So, but I really liked Onward. Out of all these movies, well, it's hard to say because I would say that I don't remember Wally well enough, but I remember really liking in the theater. So that like. That and uh, Ralph was pretty fun, but I don't. Uh, Onward's not bad, but I think Wally uh, is playing it a different, like in a different. You know, w- Onward, Onward's amateur league. Wally's the pros. Yeah, I do, I don't feel like they're in the same league. Yeah, Wally's just like hitting it out of the park for on sure. Every beat. Yeah. From you that's just so much to messaging, say. animation, yeah. heart. It's just yeah. I mean, the whole, it's like it's like watching a group movie because all the damn robot says is Wally. And you're yeah. like, oh, I'm so yeah. into it. <laughs> right. And uh, what else do you want to talk about today, man? I mean, do, do, you wanna, do we need to watch the trailers for these? Or are these such universal films that might not Look, even be necessary? if you've never seen a trailer for any of these movies, I'm a little concerned. I, that's how I feel. Right? <laughs> that's how I feel. Come are on, like, man. These are like universal movies. <laughs> these, true, the, true. Lucas is pulling from the top of the deck on these. You I know. know. These, these, these are some good picks. It's a stacked one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stacked choices. Uh, some of the movies that we're going to be watching next week, starting on Monday, we'll be watching Sorry to Bother You, which was Zach's pick. I'm excited. Pan's Labyrinth. It's going to get weird. <laughs> which was my pick. Super sad. And on Wednesday, we're watching <laughs> Booksmart, which was Malika's pick. Oh, man. So next good. week's going to be fucking rad. So good. It's a really good Dude, that's going to be a fun movies. Lots of funny movies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't sorry know about to bother Labyrinth, you. Yeah, it's not funny at all. But sorry to bother you is really funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, I remember seeing from the trailer, just like it looks like a hoot. Wait, so you haven't seen it yet? No. 
Remember, I told you I'd only Fuck, seen little parts yeah. of it. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's so good. Yeah. You're going to lose your mind the first time you hear David Cross's voice. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm all about it. Oh, man. Um, anything else that's been happening? Also, Tessa Thompson, like, kills it. Yeah. In that. Oh, I should probably bring this up. We have a guest locked in for Monday. Do we now? I'm very excited about this Do guest. Do we now? I've been, I've been on the hunt for this guest. Do we now? Adam's <laughs> been working on this for a month. <laughs> I He's been, been finessing. I, I've, I've been just laying the groundwork in. <laughs> uh, I'm super excited. We have one of the producers from Blumhouse will be joining us, Ryan Turek. He was the producer on Halloween. He's also going to be producing Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. He'll be joining us on Monday to talk about, you know, the process of how they're kind of going through everything that's been happening in the world uh, with COVID-19, how they're adapting their production process to the whole thing. Um, Maybe I'll be able to squeeze a tidbit out of him. I don't really know. Um, but it'll be really interesting to talk about. Uh, so this is going to be, you know, I, I had Shore on. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be Adam's. Yeah. Like, if we can get him to invite Adam to the set. I will shit myself. <laughs> live on camera. How do we start planting that seed? <laughs> Look, when I emailed him, I might have emailed him the clip of uh, you being invited to the Expand set just to sprinkle the seeds. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on. Here's an example of how interviews yeah. happen here. And, th- and then I went, it was like, this is the sample of the interview. And also, here's the full link in case you need it. <laughs> I sprinkled it in there. So that'll, I'm super excited you about that. You sneaky fucker. Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? I will do anything to get myself to the set of Halloween. My God. That's like a dream. Emily, might- and, I, Emily and I take walks in Pasadena where they shot the original Halloween. Once a week. Once a week. I go. We walk past the hedge every day, every weekend, and I'm just like, Halloween. And if you search our VODs last Halloween, Adam took you on that tour. That's true. He took you on that tour. Uh, you know, this is something we forget to talk about often. Uh, we've done so much shit at yeah. Hyper RPG. <laughs> we are live five days a fucking week for nearly 10 hours a day for the yeah. last five years now. We do so much stuff. And it's in our VODs. Yeah. If you're a new viewer, you just found us like three or four months ago, and you're bored, man, deep dive. Man, you got so much deep shit to dive. watch. you kidding We've me We've been right making now? shit for years. There's so much stuff. Yeah. And some of my favorite stuff to go back to is the IRL stuff, because I'm like, oh, man, I forgot what happened three years ago. Oh, look at this <laughs> yeah. cool thing we did. <laughs> we went to Thailand. We went to <laughs> Europe. Like, we've done so much stuff. And, yeah, I think it's true. Like, time, time kind of zips on by so quick that we – we're always just kind of like day every day every day we're working so hard we sometimes yeah. forget and like you brought it up and i'm like oh yeah i did do a tour of pasadena last halloween i literally like pre-shot a bunch of stuff with lucas we went around it was a really fun time i had a really good time doing it um so i'm pretty pumped about that interview on monday mm-hmm. yeah. yeah man it'll be yeah. good it'll i'm be excited good. it'll be fun it's a it's fun it's like a great opportunity for us to bring in bring in people whose movies or shows you guys watch and for, for us and you to have some one-on-one time with them. I know uh, with Shore on, on, God, what day was that? Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. You guys were able to ask questions, and we were able to, to you know, ask on your behalf. So it's a lot of fun, and I'll probably put out, we'll probably put out some sort of stuff on social media where you'll be able to ask some questions yeah. for Ryan, and um, it'll be a whole hoop Your J-Man wants to know if the camera's slowly going back and forth. I, it's on a tripod. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean, going back and forth? Is something wrong with your something computer? Wrong? Maybe... Your computer is moving yeah. back and forth. You might want to check if there's like a ghost behind it. Are you sitting on a rolling chair? That could be it. Something might be broken on your end. It might be on your end. You might want to call someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there. Yep. So that'll be next week. Uh, tomorrow we'll be doing Hyper Heroes at 1 o'clock. Myself, Augustine, and Hector will be t- talking about. There's been a lot of stuff that's come out in the last few days uh, regarding superhero stuff. Uh, that I think will be a lot of fun. And it's the one-year anniversary of Endgame is coming up. So I think it might be fun to do a little bit of a retrospective discussion on that on that movie. Those tweets went viral when the uh, w- when somebody on Twitter was sharing clips from the movie and it had, like, the theater reaction underneath yeah. it. Man. I'll never forget. Dude. I'll never forget, man. Uh, you recorded it. I did. You did the audio recording. I did. So we went to the theater to watch it as a group, and I recorded it. I will say, though, it does not compare – to the reaction of the audience when I went to the press screening at Disney, myself included. When Cap got that hammer, I screamed so loud that I'm surprised anybody at Disney has ever invited me back to a screening again. <laughs> that goes the same for when he says Avengers Assemble. I was literally in the theater going, say it, say it, say it. And like, I lost my shit. So it was good. It was good. It was a good time. Yeah, I'll never forget. That's one of the, like, I hope you got to see 
I hope you got to see it in theaters because yeah. I think it's one of the most magical moments in cinema that built for 10 years. Yeah. And just being the in the, the energy of everyone in the movie when that moment happened is, I think, one of the best moments of – like that's the thing you remember for the rest of your life of like that's what movies can do. Yeah. And I, and I think like it, it, it's, it's, so, it's so telling because like my mom, for example – We've watched. She's watched some of the Marvel movies. She's not completely caught up. She's not completely obsessed, you know, with with them. But she loves a lot of the movies, and she's seen them throughout the years. But even she went opening weekend to see Avengers Endgame, and she was like, "Okay, I, I need to get caught up. I don't really know." So I sent her our breakdown of when we talked about the whole MCU, and she watched it. She's like, "Okay, I feel pretty caught up." And she walked out of here. She texted me. She's like. Wow, I didn't understand the impact of these movies until I heard people cheering for almost three hours. Yeah, like those movies. It was a special time, I think. To I live felt through bad for my saga. parents because I don't think they got to have that experience going to see it in a small town theater, mm. and there was like no hyper excitement. I like I called yeah. them after they saw it, and I was like, "So like, oh, what'd you think? Yeah. Oh, wasn't it crazy? I like Fat Thor." <laughs> That was it. And I'm like, God damn it. Okay, no, <laughs> All right, okay. fine, shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a magical time. I feel very like, I think a lot of us who grew up on this sort of like nerd culture, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. I know it's been kind of like a long journey for us to finally feel like the things that we love are kind of embraced by everybody. Yeah. And now that that's happened and we've gone through the Infinity Saga, I feel really fortunate to have like lived through a time where that happened. I think a lot of us as kids, we always were like, I don't want to let anybody know the like superheroes. I will never forget in high school, in 11th grade, I was talking to a classmate, and I was super pumped about the release of X-Men 2. And I was talking about it. And I was like, yeah, man, can't wait to go see X2, X-Men United this Friday. And I remember one of the kids walking in the class, and I was just like, oh, you loser. I'm like, well... It looks like I got the last I accepted laugh. that. I, yeah. I accepted. <laughs> you know, I like, was whatever. like, you want to think I'm a loser? Fine. That's fine. Whatever. But I now, don't care. But now it's the cool thing. This shit type. Yeah. Now it's the cool thing. So we won. Perfect. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, we're also adding members to your clubhouse. This That's week. right. My clubhouse. Every time we hit our goal. My. So far in our clubhouse, I'm the only, I made a suggestion. Nobody else has made one. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but I made the suggestion that we watch the new Chris Hemsworth movie yeah. on Netflix. Is it Extraction? Extraction. It's yeah. yeah. It's been getting mixed reviews, but I still want to see it because the action scenes look dope. Uh, yeah, for sure. Netflix has been pushing those action scenes oh, hard on Twitter. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's produced by the Russo brothers and Chris Hemsworth's in it. So, like, yeah, why not? I saw some cool behind-the-scenes stuff of the director, like in a buggy, sitting on like the hood of the buggy with a camera, like going through the city at like 60 miles an hour. And the shows were saying, like, yeah, it's our crazy director, but you know, he wanted to make the movie that way, so yeah, yeah. Like, okay. cool. Uh, so we might do that, but yeah, it's my clubhouse this week. So you know, every time we hit a goal, which we're at 30% of our goal right now, which is where we were yesterday at 4 p.m., so that's awesome. What improvement? Let's smash that goal. <laughs> Uh, let everyone know why Wally's the more superior film out of all the others. <laughs> and uh, every time we hit one of our goals, uh, we'll be giving away a spot in our private clubhouse where you get to hang out with us. And we do this every week. It's really cool. We've done some cool stuff. I watched Tiger King with everybody the first mm-hmm. week. Malika did a bunch of stuff. She spoiled everybody. Yeah. I was like, come on, Malika. You're making us look bad out I here. Know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, so we ended up, we did like a little Q&A in the beginning. Then we watched Mad Max Fury Road. And then we played a game of Jackbox, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. And then I can't even remember what Lucas watched with everybody. I know he watched Lucas! something. Yeah, he watched something with everybody too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's really fun. It's a really cool way for us all to hang out, get to know each other better, and hopefully get you know closer in the middle yeah. of all this craziness. For sure, for sure. We're going to be here for a hot minute, so mm-hmm. plenty of time to, to hang out and catch up. Um, Do we know yet? I know like – so last time we heard something from our governor, yeah. it was May 15th. Yeah. I can't imagine it's May 15th now. Have they moved it back to June 1st yet? I don't know. I don't think so. I could be wrong. Are they waiting till May 1st <laughs> to tell us? Are they doing a Comic-Con thing? Well, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like really tough because I know I'm, I'm like, I'm not trying to plan to like go out and do stuff mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. But I think like for us, it is, it's a little bit of a stress reliever when we know for sure that like, Hey, this has been pushed another two weeks. This has been pushed another three weeks. Well, it helps us because as a small business that does content, we have to plan. Yeah. Um, And knowing when we're supposed to come back helps us a lot because then we can start adding into our schedule building assets, trying to get people back on board and being like, are you healthy? Are you comfortable? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of planning involved. Yeah. If it's just like one day they're like, okay, the state's no longer on lockdown. I don't want our audience to expect us to be like, 
why aren't you doing this now? And it's like, well, we're not ready. <laughs> like, right. it takes time. We're a small yeah. crew. It's we we take don't time. just, like, flip the switch and everything, like, comes, comes back. Comes back to normal. Oh, yeah. God, no. We have, like, changed our entire systems to be able to adapt to this. Yeah. Yeah. Entire systems. So it will take time. And the more leeway we get, the better. But I also understand it's hard to give that leeway when we don't really know what's going on. Yeah. We don't know if the virus is going to sl- slow its spread in the hotter months. Right. We don't know that yet. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people do. And that's why experts are like, well, we don't know. Yeah, you know, and I, I like a lot of the conversation that's been happening a lot online is, and you know, it's mostly because I follow mostly like film Twitter, right? So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of those conversations are the ones that I see in particular. But a lot of it is talking about like movie releases, movie releases, what's coming, what's not coming, is stu- still stuff still going to come out and all that. Okay. Um, well, Negi just posted a quote. I wish I could prescribe a specific date to say we could turn on the light switch and go back to normalcy. We've tried to make it crystal clear there is no light switch and there is no date from. California. That was a mm. statement that well, was there made. You go. So there you go. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. We but don't it, know. But it's been an ongoing conversation of like, cool. When when will we be able to go to the movie theater? And, and like we've been talking about for the last month, it's like there's no date. There's no date. Just assume you're not going to the theater this year. Just assume that. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, but these movies are still scheduled to come out. And it's like mm. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Okay. Just put I out got, a thing. I, got, I I don't know if I should be putting them on blast, but I got, I got an email yeah. this week. I got an email from PAX West. Hey, everybody. Just want to let you know, we're still doing PAX West. It's still happening. Let us know if you want to, like, sign up for blah, 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 blah. I'm like, the fuck? And they didn't say if it was virtual or... or Oh, no, no, no. They were like, PAX West. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, that is one of the most congested cons Mm -hmm. I've ever been to in my life. Mm -hmm. There is no opportunity to spread out at PAX West. PAX West is, you are sardines in a can. That is is next to as bad as New York City Comic Con. Like, both Javits Center Mm -hmm. and the Seattle Convention Center, Mm -hmm. like, you're packed in. Yeah. You are packed in. And uh, I don't... I'm like, I'm not responding to this email. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna be a thing. I don't boyos. think so. That's in August. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. There. That because that place is just. Who? I mean, I get sick every year. I go to PAX already. Mm-hmm. Every year I go to PAX, I come back sick. You know, at least Gen Con I can spread out. Like, I feel like Gen Con is just such a massive venue. Yeah. Um, that I can, you know, you're you're fairly spread out mm-hmm. in all your activities. And you could, I think, at Gen Con, put in place six-foot kind of barriers on things for certain areas. I think some areas would have to be completely rethought, some mm-hmm. of the gaming tables, things like that. But in general, in, in regards to lines, uh, I think there could be some adaptation there to be more conscious of it. But PAX West is... Not so much. No, man. That whole thing is just... The only con I've g- gone to consistently is WonderCon and Comic-Con and like those are off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I like it's for me it's still kind of like a learning experience to hear from you guys uh, and, and everybody like in our in our little group in our little community of like what is it like going to PAX West? What is it like going to Gen Con? What is it like at NYCC Wizard or it's not called Wizard Con anymore or the Chicago one. C2E2. Yeah. You know, I would say the two most congested cons I've ever been to are PAX West and New York City Comic Con. Wow. The J- the Javits Center at New York City Comic Con is, I mean, like San Diego's bad, mm-hmm. but it's more like spread out bad. New yeah. York City Comic Con is just like, just yeah. compacted. I think that's the advantage that San Diego has is that it's in a downtown area and everything surrounding the con is very open. Yeah. So even though you have 200,000 people, they're not all in the convention at the center, convention center all at the over. same time. They're kind of all over downtown. Whereas, yeah, it seems like other conventions that I've like read about or seen images you're of. You're in the building, It's man. like you're in a building and there's nothing happening They got these tunnels underneath uh, that connect you to different parts of the convention mm-hmm. um, and also where the food courts are. Yeah. Every time I'm there, I'm just like, I'm always like, fuck this. I don't want to be here because we will be just stuck shoulder to shoulder with stranger, strangers yeah. moving like half a foot mm-hmm. at a time. And you're just, you, you're stuck. You're yeah. just like, well, I'm at the mercy of where this crowd decides to move and where right. they decide to go. It's awful. Yeesh. Awful. Yeah, that's, that's rough. That's rough. But, um, oh, I guess also Star Wars Celebration. So I guess, you know, Anaheim, there's, you can also move around a little bit as well. That, I, that is the one that I think will just go digital. If anyone was yeah. going to do it, it's going to be Star Wars Celebration because they already do it. They already have they done that. They already yeah. do it. I think they're just going to say, let's do it. Let's do it as a web thing mm-hmm. and broadcast it live. Yeah, and at that point, you could probably technically do it from Lucasfilm's headquarters. Like, you probably don't even need to come to Anaheim to do it. 
Um, uh, Ronan Chain's asking, which is worse in terms of uh, space, SDCC or Star Wars Celebration? Well, I think SDCC, because it's just like so many more people, Star Wars Celebration has a very like finite amount of people that go, mm -hmm. and they're pretty good at like limiting to how many people yeah. can go. Plus, and it's also, you know, this is an argument over whether or not cons have live streamed. They have, but there's a difference between a con live streaming and the uh, the Disney one because every announcement they make happens on that stage. That's your. That's why you go. You go for the announcements. Yeah, that's part what of the it experience is. Of going. It's it's kind of like Hall H. You're going for the announcement. Yeah. Whereas a con, you've got Artist Alley. You've got many many branching off panels and all these other things going on, and. No con has covered all those things. They've right. tried. They've had. They've adapted to do some stuff, but it's never been the full experience. Where I feel like that one, you get the full experience pretty much from just watching the web stream. Oh, totally. Because that's what it is. It's a conference of here's a stage, here's what we're announcing, mm -hmm. and that's it. Yeah. You know, like you can do the whole thing. Yeah, that's that the way. majority of Star Wars Celebration. It's just all like uh, panel-based, auditorium-based sort of audience. Yeah, it's based. like a Nintendo Direct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. here's our announcements of everything coming up. Yeah. I don't, you don't need to put everyone in a building for that. Yeah, exactly. So it's been really interesting to sort of see the evolution of that. And Warner Brothers, you know, a lot of people are constantly every day like, well, what does this mean for this movie and that movie and that movie? And Warner Brothers did come out and say, like, look, we're all about preserving the theatrical experience for a lot of our big temple movies, Tenet, Wonder Woman. We will put them in theaters when, when uh, we can. Or at least they said their hopes are to release them in the summer or when it's safe for theaters to open back up. Mm -hmm. That means that a lot of these movies are probably going to move and shift and change. So... I, I'm, I'm now officially operating under the assumption that I will not be going to the theater this year. Damn. And if I do, it'll probably be late in like the fall. Yeah. Or like early fall, late summer. I don't Who think knows, it's going to be. Anytime I, soon. I feel like any theorizing we do at this point is yeah, so it's like pointless. two weeks from now, we're going to look like idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we don't know. Because in two weeks, they could be like, you know, we're going to start opening up and letting in like a quarter of the. Of the uh, or two weeks in. from now, they could be like, oh shit, we opened up a bunch of states and now everything's, now everything's surging again. and we're yeah. getting a second wave. Go back inside. You know, we don't know. Yeah, we really we don't know. We really don't know. So, you know, it's. Uh, you just got you to gotta pay attention to the news, make sure you're up to date on what's happening. And I get it that for a lot of people, it's, like, very frustrating that they can't leave the house. But I think Lucas, you know, ranted about it perfectly when he was playing Animal Crossing. It's like, this is not just about your safety. It's about the safety of the people around Everyone you. else. Don't kill grandma. Yeah. God damn it. Come on now. Come on. Um, there's a new Star Wars series in development. And I think this is something that, like, we've talked about a lot about Disney+. Plus. Uh, I think they needed a little bit more out the gate to really, like, keep people hooked on what they've got to offer animation or live action live action series from leslie headland who's the co-creator showrunner executive producer of the netflix series russian doll which, which is amazing scene very Natasha good Leone. yeah very good what's the what's like the what's the premise of this of the series the premise isn't necessarily <coughs> something that hooked me as yeah. much as just how expertly directed it was okay um, the premise is just, it's, it's kind of like your groundhog day, mm -hmm. but like, uh, it's a woman that dies at the end of every day and wakes up Interesting. to start it all over again. So kind of like happy death day. Kind of. Kind of the concept yeah, yeah, of yeah. that. Um, uh, but it's expertly crafted. Mm -hmm. I mean, just so well put together. Wow. It flows. It's got a real good rhythm to it. Mm -hmm. It's got great vision. It's great. Nice. So they say that uh, the, the series will be a female-centric series that takes place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline than a lot of the other projects. Hedlin is said to be attached to write and serve as a showrunner of the series, uh, with the show apparently currently staffing. So a lot of this will obviously be done remotely for the time being, because developing the show, not a lot of pre-production work to be done right now, obviously, but I think the priority right now is to get a group together who can kind of like flesh out what the series is going to be and then write it out. Uh, the big thing that I think excites me about this it takes place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline. I have said this a lot. I want these Star Wars stories to start moving away from the Skywalker timeline. The thing that excites me about the High Republic, it's 200 years before the Phantom Menace. I like The Mandalorian because it takes place in between a time period where the Skywalker story is not... It's not like the main part of yeah. what's happening. Because they defeated the Empire. The Skywalkers are out you know, doing their own thing. They're living their life. Leon Han are having Ben Solo. He's going to eventually start getting trained by his uncle. No, no bad shit has happened yet. 
on, in, on that level at least. And like, I like that we're exploring new characters, new worlds, and all that sort of stuff. So that's the big thing that really excites me uh, about this series. I guess my second question is like, well, is it going to be a post-Skywalker saga story or a pre-Skywalker saga story? I'm curious to see how much Disney and Lucasfilm will start leaning into this like prequel era that's hundreds of years before. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'm curious. I'm very curious. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it can start saying and doing new things. Yeah. That's what I really want to see. I yeah. want to see new things explored and saying new things. Yeah. And like, I really like, I just want to reiterate this. I really want to, I don't need this to connect to Anakin Skywalker's story or the Emperor or Luke or Leia or anybody like that. If this is something that's completely on its own, kind of like Mandalorian. But now that we know that Ahsoka Tano is coming into the series, I'm like, okay, it was on its own in season one, even though it has like this like Yoda baby character. Now we're starting to really like lean tie it into in. and tie it into what's happening or with characters that have appeared previously in the Star Wars universe. I'm not against it. I think it's cool that we're going to see Ahsoka Tano. Um, but I would like some of the stuff to real like truly live on its own. And right now the High Republic seems like it's the only thing that will be doing that. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm sure we'll probably see a cameo from a character like Yoda. But that character is 900 years old, so it's kind of still expected. There. Yeah, it's still there. Still there. Uh, also really curious to see kind of like what happens with this, um, with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. There's been a lot of like back and forth, and it's constantly being delayed. Um, they like have changed writers. It was originally supposed to start shooting at the beginning of this year. They've now pushed the shooting to next year, which means that the series itself will then get pushed to either late 2021 or early 2022. So... I've heard from a lot of my friends who have connections to people at Star Wars that they're not necessarily happy with the way the show has kind of constantly been uh, retooled and reconfigured. So for whatever this new Star Wars show ends up being, I kind of hope it, it has the opportunity kind of like The Mandalorian has had to just breathe on its own and to kind of become its own its own thing and to live its own life. And I know that's easier said than done, especially when Obi-Wan Kenobi is such a beloved character and like that timeline that that show is going to take place in. It's very tight. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very hard to, like, break the continuity or to overlap stuff. So I don't know if, like, that has something to do with it. But I'm, I'm, I'm open and optimistic to, to this new show. I think Disney Plus needs more original content um, that's not just Marvel. Because I think Marvel has done a really good job, like, planning out everything that they're going to be doing. And Star Wars is a little bit more, like, touch and go, it seems like. Yeah. So. For sure. They also did talk about that The Mandalorian Season 3 is officially in pre-production. They just wrapped, they just finished shooting uh, season two of the show in March, right before we went into lockdown. So they're hard at work on post-production. Give them something to do. I mean, when it comes to pre-production, there's no reason that can't be being done right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that can be done right now. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your tweet that you put out about the the behind-the-scenes series that's coming out on The Mandalorian. I have a trailer. And, uh, oh, do we want to watch it? I'm down. Yes. Pull it up. Pull it up, baby. Pull it up. Fucking A. Why not? Uh, I'm going to, hopefully, there's no, like, audio hiccups with this thing. I know we've been, like, having these, like, weird I didn't, problems, I, we were going to test it today, but I was, like I said, in a meeting a 30 minutes or 30 seconds until we started. So, if it works, it works. If not, I cut away frustratingly. Yeah. Here we go. The enthusiasm is infectious. So much of this process is about problem solving and making breakthroughs. Everyone is coming with their own experiences to a galaxy that can support it. And then also have a group of filmmakers who were not afraid to jump in. It's hard to believe all these years later, there's such energy around new stories in this world. The volume put me back in a set as if it was built. The outside is all video walls, and the top is video wall. That was, for me, one of the most rewarding experiences of someone who just loves Star Wars. It was like one of the weirdest and best things that ever happened with Werner. <laughs> he was acting against the baby, and he started directing the baby directly. I'm trying to direct Werner, who's now directing the puppet. He was telling us we needed to commit to the magic, make them use the puppet. <laughs> IG-11 was like IG-88. They built him out of parts of the old cantina set from A New Hope. We as children like that's the coolest assassin robot. It was bolted to the floor. We're trying to draw from all over Star Wars. 
attention. Sometimes I think it's just like anything in any different scene. You just have energy, and you can see that in the physicality. You can see that in the acting. George reiterated, remember to make these stories hopeful, to give that to kids, because they really need it. It's important to the foundation of Star Wars, but we don't just want an action. We want to feel uplifted. And Star Wars ultimately is about family. It is really saying there is a lot of hope out there. May you know, the fourth be with you. I might like that more than the show. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The show for me was hit or miss outside of like four episodes. Mm-hmm. For, you know, in the, in the final couple, I thought were a masterpiece. But like and overall. three. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was good. the final ones were really good. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, but that looks phenomenal. I would love to dive more into their process. And I think what I wanted to talk about from your yeah. tweet is how after COVID-19, mm-hmm. Now that this has happened, that the technique and process that they used on that show is going to be picked up by a lot of production companies. Yeah. That is what's going to happen. Yep. Can't go out on location. Too many variables. Insurance is going to start. I mean, look, when we come out of this, insurance is going to get weird. <clears throat> yeah. Especially for like on location shoots and stuff. like. like we, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We don't know if there's still a virus out there. Yeah. How do we ensure you're not going to get sick? A controlled studio where you can do all of your backdrops digitally. Yeah. Is going to become a very popular thing. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. And uh, I, I had a little bit of a back and forth with Brandon Winfrey, and we talked about that. And you know, I, I don't know if some people saw that tweet and were like, um, thought it was a funny joke. But I think I'm, that's yeah. absolutely true. It will, man. I think if you want, if we're going to be forced to think of a way to do filmmaking in a more creative manner that limits how much outside contact we have for the time being where we can't travel with 200 people to a location, where we can't necessarily, you know, worry about contaminating another another place or us being contaminated, uh, contaminated from that place, from especially place. travel. Especially through travel. Yeah. I think doing something like this that they're doing on The Mandalorian, one, it's an um, amazing technique that I think we've seen the seed sort of sprinkled throughout time with rear projection and all that sort of stuff. But this is like the evolution of that. This mm-hmm. is next level 21st century technology now being applied to that. Yep. I think it's an absolutely incredible technology. I would love to see more movies use this uh, in particular because I think the more sort of planning you do ahead of time, I think, and I could be wrong, I think it's more economical because you, you already know so much of what you're going to do ahead of time. And it allows for switching between sets so easily. Mm-hmm. I think a lot quicker than having to like Load up a crew, pack them up, and go to another country. You literally, you plan out where you're going to shoot one day. You load in that set. You make adjustments on the fly as you need to. Next day, you're in a whole other place. Like, you could literally go from Italy to Prague to New York to Los Angeles on the same soundstage. I think it does a lot for the actors, too. Yeah. You're not having to act in front of a green screen. Mm-hmm. You're getting to envelop yourself in the location. Like, that's huge. That, to me, has been a really big frustration with a lot of movies, even in recent years. And as much as I love the Marvel movies, there's a lot of stuff that they do that you're like, this just feels like a CG set. Now, with this technology, I would love to see Phase 4 embrace more of this, like, real-life compositing and just doing digital touch-ups. Because I think they can all benefit from it. You know, this isn't some, like, technology that Lucasfilm created in copyright and trademark and nobody else can use it. I want to see more of this being done. And I know for, like, indie projects, it's a little bit more... I don't want to say an impossibility. I mean, but it, I, insane. It's insane. That that right there is like you got to have the budget, not just to rent it, but to develop. Yeah, you got to have the to pre-production budget to like build out your Unity uh, yeah. locations and make them look good enough. Because that's yeah. the one thing there is no forgiveness Mm-mm. in that situation. Yeah. It's got to be fucking perfect because mm-hmm. you're going to have to track your cameras to it and your shadows and your lighting and everything. It's got to be perfect. There's no there's no shortcuts. Yeah, there's a lot less room for error. And, you know, there's a lot of like there's a lot of them going in and sort of smoothing out the seams and all that sort of stuff. But that is also kind of like part of the question of will there be a version of this that's more accessible, more affordable for indie filmmakers that doesn't sacrifice a lot of quality because if those indie filmmakers want to go to New York, but they can't 
because of some sort of restriction or they just like don't yeah. want to put all these people in harm's way now with how everything is will they have access to something like that or are they just going to have to like well fuck it we have to shoot it all in Los Angeles and just do our best to make it look like New York and do set extensions yeah my only concern will be like as production starts moving more in this direction what mm. protections will be put in place for crew and things like that in regards yeah. to you know like alright so if you're going to go shoot on a lot that's supposed to look like a New York street. Unions are going to protect the individuals that come in, build the set, build the set, mm-hmm. are there on the day, moving the props around everything else. In this situation, because it's all VFX, um, there's no protection there mm-hmm. at all. Lowest bidder can come in, you know, and once this tech gets in the hands of other countries, you know that they're going to underbid American companies like they always do in VFX, mm-hmm. and uh, there's no protections there whatsoever. It's just going to be like, who can build this, make it look the best, quickly as possible, go. Uh, which obviously is going to save a lot of money for productions, but it doesn't necessarily put people in a better position mm-hmm. overall health of the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, so it'd be interesting to see if this stuff gets adopted a much larger scale. Yeah. You know, if you need if you need less actual people on set to handle the work, mm-hmm. um, how do we then flip that to make sure we're protecting the people having to build it? Yeah, and I mean, I think that, like that sort of thing is an ongoing conversation, not just in on that side of production, but also in post-production, you know, from like the visual effects standpoint, it's always like, what are we doing to protect the artists? What are we doing to adapt? What are we doing to make sure that like, we are having sort of like best practices, safe practices. And I think this technology does open up a lot of potential and a lot of possibilities. We've kind of like, I feel like we've kind of dabbled with it Mm -hmm. because we have that, we have that TV. Like we shot a thing for Coloc and we use that background and, like, what a time saver to not have to set up a green screen, oh light it, God. composite it. Yeah, that was the last episode before all this hit mm-hmm. uh, that we did that. And yeah. uh, I should release that on social media. It, I yeah. feel weird. Like, I wanted to put that clip out on social media, but it's also, like, in the world of Coloc. Timing, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, like, <clears throat> in the world of Coloc, it's about Australia and Europe being destroyed. Mm-hmm. And... I'm like, it's a real cool moment for Kolok, but overall, I feel kind of weird about putting it on social media. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, uh, it's kind of like, it's, it's not like the a, time or place. It's a kind of cool thing for like, not internally, but in like your circle. But outside of that, I don't know, people will be like, what? I don't, what, what is, yeah, what? and to shoot that to save time, because mm-hmm. we have so little of it here, we literally on the TV just pulled up YouTube videos of news backdrops. That's it. We sat right just here. on YouTube. We sat right just here. Just right here. Uh, pull up on YouTube. All right, run your scene. Great, switch out pull up a new scene on youtube all right run your lines mm-hmm. switch out you know like yeah piece of cake man yeah and so it's like you know having that sort of flexibility where you can just fly in a background that you can virtually change is great in those sort of like pinch situations but again yeah it's kind of seeing to what level is this technology going to be accessible not everybody's making oh a somebody telling me spoilers in the chat <clears throat> that episode is now seven weeks old yeah you've had time Seven weeks. Spoilers, my ass. <laughs> of a live show. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see sort of like how many productions we'll be able to utilize and adopt to this sort of thing. Like I don't, I don't see something like NYPD Blue mm-hmm. utilizing this. Like I, I just I don't know. I don't know how it'll work. Yeah. But I think that we're we are going to be forced. Our productions around Hollywood, internationally, are going to be forced to be more creative with. How they do on location shooting, yeah. because I think, again, we're trying to avoid spreading this again and again. And this is, I don't think this is permanent. I think there will definitely be permanent changes and adap- adaptations that will be Our made. Our industry is going to have to. Every, so many industries are going to have to come out of this and be yeah. like, okay, this could happen again. If we've learned anything from this, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of people online talking about it right now, is like people – are expected to save in mm-hmm. case something bad happens. And then we get this like stimulus, $1,200 that's supposed to last you for three months mm-hmm. when you're the only person in our household who's even got it. Malika and I have not, and there's yeah. been zero information about how or if we will. None. None. And there's this idea of like people are supposed to save for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. But yet these giant businesses are just like, oh, we're done. Either you bail us out. Or uh, or we're done. We yeah. just quit. We're done. We'll fire everybody. Yeah. And the people in charge get to go home with all their money and the company's over. Mm-hmm. And that's not realistic. And I know a lot of people are going to come out of this and they're just going to be like, okay, now we know this can happen. 
Yeah. How do we change our industries to be more protected in the event that this could happen again? Right. Especially with something like climate change hanging on our shoulders. You know, uh, yeah. what are the events that a worldwide disaster or pandemic could happen again? And how do we survive from a economic <clears throat> standpoint? And yeah. I think big brains are all going to be looking at this and every industry and someone in the film industry is going to be looking at these things and be like, okay, we very clearly were not prepared mm -hmm. for any kind of thing like this because the entire entertainment industry just shut down yeah. outside of live content producers. I mean, Hollywood just shut down. Yeah. Movie theaters done. Yeah. Uh, production done. You know, like all things that are filming done. So that's not, Good. Mm -hmm. So how do we move forward? You know, how do, how do we adapt in case this happens again? And it would be irresponsible to not ask those questions. Yeah. And I think people are going to be looking at tech like this and saying, like, we have to invest in it to make sure we don't make the same mistakes in the future mm -hmm. and have this ability to continue making content and protect people's jobs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's totally true. And I think if, yeah, kind of, kind of rolling into uh, our next topic I think the, one of the bigger industries that's really going to have to learn how to adapt and maybe put in some new best practices and guidelines is going to be post-production. Post-production is a part of the filmmaking process that is so heavily reliant on being, you know, every, every crew member, whether it's visual effects, editorial, uh, you know, coloring, all that sort of stuff, any sort of finaling, there's, we're so used to that industry being exclusively in one studio together and working really close with directors and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think now, because of everything that's been going on, you know, we sort of talked about it early days, how will the visual effects company, the companies and the pipeline of visual effects evolve throughout all of this? Because as we know, and as I know, being somebody who worked in that industry, yeah. Marvel Studios doesn't want you taking footage home from Falcon and Winter Soldier. They don't want you talking about it or leaking that stuff or giving people any sort of insight as to what's going to be happening in the Marvel universe. Like those studios, those high, high property, high priority property projects are kept very close for good reason, because you can't trust artists. I've worked, I've worked with artists who have leaked things and uh, it's not good because then the studio gets in trouble and people lose their jobs. But there was a really interesting article on the Hollywood reporter that's kind of talked about that and how visual effects artists, have and companies have had to sort of like adapt and deal with what's happening and i was surprised to find that certain visual effects companies have already kind of been built for remote work a lot had to because they're outsourcing their work to other countries yeah i mean that's the truth yeah and i mean even companies that i've worked with you know we've outsourced a lot of work to you know england and china and india and all that sort of stuff so i think like I think it's an inevitability that a lot of these companies have to start thinking about that and have to start adapting and just, you know, kind of just dealing with the fact that they have to adapt to this yeah. sort of um, new work process. So I don't know. I know from this article, they also talk about the fact that like, you know, it's, it's such a different relationship when you have a VFX supervisor who is within an arm's reach of you and you can really immediately go to and say like, hey, I need feedback. I want to talk about this or mm -hmm. what the process is. But I think we've all been in situations where that's, n you're, like, that's not something that you need 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's something that's like on a very per case basis. So I think there's going to have to be an adaption of... I mean, if we've learned anything from this as well, it's yeah. how many jobs can be done from home. Yeah. And I think a lot of businesses are also going to be looking at that and saying yeah. like, well, why are we paying all this money for an office? Why are we paying all this money for all these certain protections and insurance mm -hmm. and these things when a lot of work can be done from home? I've seen a lot of people on my timeline being like, I'm able to do 100% of my job from home. Hopefully yeah. this teaches my managers that this job can be done from home. Right. And I've seen a lot of people on my timeline who are disabled who have been saying that as well. Yeah. Like, as a disabled person, they've been forced to come into work and they've been begging their work to work from home yeah. and they're always told they couldn't. Yeah. And now they've but been now, able to prove sudden, like, oh, I c yeah, I can. You have no excuses now to acknowledge that yeah. we can still be productive. Yeah. You know, using the internet and the abilities of what we've created to actually be, you know, keep your work going uh, no matter the situation. I think... Uh, you know, people are going to be looking at that and really starting to question, like, what what's actually needed. Yeah. 
And it's really interesting. So this article kind of shows like both sides of that because they talk with one v VFX company owner who says like, well, we've kind of always built with the intention of being remote. So for us, adapting to what's been going on has been very, very simple because we've already structured that out. But then you have a complete opposite side of, of, of like the VFX industry saying like, well, it's not ideal for us to not work in the same room because of some of the stuff that I brought up of like just being able to access people quickly when you need feedback on stuff and having video calls all the time is just like the most not ideal way to, to do stuff like this. But mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a tricky balance. I think the industry is really going to have to figure out like how do we manage these big projects? How do we, uh, what sort of security things do we put into place that like people can't take things or they can't leak things yeah. or whatever. It'll be interesting. And I agree with osmosis. Worry a lot about workers' rights. California has so many gig workers and they yeah. have little protection. It's true. And the AB5 bill that went through right before this hit mm -hmm. is not fucking helping. Yeah. Like so many businesses are falling on economic hardship and, you know, these uh, small business loans and protections that are being put in place, hardly anyone has access to them. Mm -hmm. And when we come out of it, already this year, a lot of small businesses and entertainment and, and gig economy were terrified of what this year was going to do them already. And you put AB5 on top of this, mm -hmm. we come out of this, a lot of people are going to be like, we can't afford it. Yeah. I mean, we, we still don't know how to afford it. Like, when we come back from this, we have to adapt. We have to, when we start bringing talent back in, and, and I know Malika could talk on this much more than I could because she's been working on it with our attorneys, mm -hmm. you know, and, and people sometimes in the chat will try to come in and say, like, oh, you could do this or you could do that. We have the top attorneys in, in the state working on this. You know, like, we have people working on this. The bill is so terribly written yeah. that different attorneys are going to tell you different things. And you're going to hear different advice from different people. And we've been trying to form a coalition of other people in the industry to help understand it and be protected by it and make sure that we don't get fined from it. Yeah. But it's a 25% increase in our costs. 25 if we go back to how no operations is normal. If we just go, let's pretend it's 2019. Mm -hmm. 25%. We can't afford that. And most small businesses can't, you know? So we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure out how to navigate it. I know a long time ago I mentioned how there was discussion about it getting voted down. That didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, it still went through, and it's a terribly written bill. And I understand its heart's in the right place, uh, but the companies it's trying to target are big enough to fight it, and all of us little gig peop you know, people working in private contracting situations um, aren't. And like mm -hmm. Malika said, she's convinced that it's going to hurt people of color most because they have the hardest time breaking into this industry. They have the least amount of job opportunities already available. And to be able to adapt to this, the easiest solution is for everyone to be operating under their own LLC, mm -hmm. which increases your taxing. Uh, there's, there's yearly fees to be a part of an LLC in California. So, you know, we work with some people who have LLCs for themselves. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier for us. We can pay them through their business. Right. And it, it saves a lot of headache and problems. Um, for the people who aren't, they have to question them and going like, well, do I want to be a full-time, part-time entertainer or do I not? Mm -hmm. It kind of puts you on this chopping block of like, make up your mind. Yeah. And I feel like people who are already underprivileged are now being held down even more <clears throat> because they're not going to have enough work to support all the extra costs that come with this. Yeah. It's wild. It is wild. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of consideration. I think that's what makes, you know, navigating this industry so, uh, so, so big of a headache sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. A lot. And we're it's in a crazy a time, and it's just all stacking on top of each other. Yeah. To the point that I'm hardly hearing anyone talk about it, because right now everyone's just like, how do we survive? Yeah. But the second businesses start to reopen, I guarantee the first thing that people are going to be talking about in our industry is like, yeah, about that bill. Mm -hmm. What are we doing? How yeah. do we get around it? Yeah, and I know we've talked about it a lot. It's like we're, we are still kind of like waiting on some sort of a leadership, someone to kind of like lead the charge on that and yeah, to yeah. maybe be like, Here's how we should move forward. Here's how this should work. But yeah. Well, Whew. anyway, in that regard, we're at 31.5% today. Oh, I want to really quickly shout out to all the individuals who came in to let us know that Wally's the better movie. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Travis's tip said, keep it going, guys, for Onward. Dashing CN, Onward, been meaning to watch this, and I think it would be fun as a group. DJ Riding Field tipped and said, Wally. Uh, CTHD2 tipped and said, Wally and Onward, good movies, but given an extra five for Ralph, but Wreck-It Ralph has was good but not the second one nope nope 
Mm, okay. Bye. Kiwi Penguin uh, said, wait, declaration of which is the best? Then duh, it's Wally all. I'm burying you all. <laughs> uh, uh, C2HD2 said, not sure if the first donation went through, but just in case, onward. And Peak1 said, Wally is great, Kiwi, but Ralph isn't going down without a fight. <laughs> and T Gremlin, Wally is such a cute, nostalgic movie. Happy to have it as one of the choices. And yes, I agree, Wally is the best movie. And then Gaika for onward. And Firefly464, thank you for subscribing. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in today to Hypercast. Don't go anywhere. We have a hype day all day today. You are where you need to be. There's no need to go anywhere else. A full day of content for you here at Hyper RPG. We're going to be playing Colt Express later. Malika, Woo! I don't. She said she was dressing up as Tigger today. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what we're about to cut to. No idea. I've not seen her in hours. I don't know what's going on oh, there. Uh, no idea what's going on there. <laughs> and we'll be cutting to Malika to teach you some cooking and recipes and some cosplay. Some scrolls, apparently. Whatever that means. Oh, and they then, look delicious. Oh, yeah? And then uh, and then tonight we're going to be watching with Lucas, yeah. Swiss Army Man, which is going to be an absolute treat. You don't want to miss it. So good. That movie is ridiculous. It's on yeah. Netflix. You should all be able to join in. Don't go anywhere. Stick around. Hyper RPG all day. <laughs>